Hey, what's up, guys? This is your girl, Coco, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Kiki and with Coco. If you are new to the show, let me just tell you a little bit about it. It's basically about life in general with an emphasis on relationships. Basically, my friends come on the show and we kiki about whatever the topic of the episode is. And today I have with me um, someone I listen to his podcast all the time. His name is Chip T, and the podcast is called The Irresponsible Mentors. So, Chip T, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Hello, um, everybody that listens to Key Can with Coco. Um, I'm Chip T, uh, one of the members of The Irresponsible Mentors. Uh, if you listen to us, uh, thank you. Uh, obviously, um, we appreciate the support, but I'm just happy to be here with uh, Key Can with Coco. Um, I listened to a couple of her shows, I think like four already. Uh, like I've been at work lately, and uh, your last, the last show you did uh, when you got emotional, uh, you almost had me about to cry. So <laughs> when you were talking about your grandmother, I was sitting in the car like, man, well, I feel like I'm about to cry, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but a big fan of yours. Thank you. Well, hopefully this episode, I am not brought to tears. I feel like two episodes now, I done talked about my spiritual journey, my grandma, and y'all done got some tears up out me today. I hope the tears are all gone. But I mean, if not, then it is what it is. Um, so today we are going to have a uh, hot topic. But before we get into our hot topic, as mentioned last episode, I was going to start a drink with cocoa segment. And so today the drink, my drink of choice today is going to be a blushing mimosa. It is champagne, of course, Mm -hmm. with pineapple juice and orange juice. And that is what I am drinking today. Are you drinking anything, Chip, or is it kind of early for you? It was early, but um, obviously when in Rome, we do what the (laughs) Romans do. Uh, I'm not doing nothing that fancy, people. I don't know how many parts and how many um you gotta if you gotta measure stuff i usually don't make that type of drink uh i'm just i have a jameson cold brew so it's like coffee um mm-hmm. and it's something light because obviously uh i got stuff to do today so uh <laughs> it's it's only two o'clock my time and i can't <laughs> mess up my whole day but <laughs> i still gotta cut grass and all that but i just had to because i'm 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 having a drink with cocoa so just jameson cold brew with a little bit of coffee and uh It'll keep me alert, but make me feel good at the same time. So All right. So I'm going to have to try this uh, Jameson cold brew. It, do it come already done or is it something you yeah, did yourself? It's done. You can, I put a little coffee in there and just a couple ice cubes and, and just keep it like that. And then have a glass of water, you know. Um, 0013, really live by that. Uh, so, <laughs> so you know what that means if you yeah. know what that <laughs> Right, so as I mentioned, I'm drinking a blushing mimosa, and Chip T is drinking a Jameson cold brew. I'm gonna have to try that out, uh, maybe on a Saturday or Sunday <laughs> when I got some time to kind of just like you know be in my own zone. Mm-hmm. And then next, we're gonna go ahead and get into our hot topic. Um, there was some you know, the whole George Floyd situation, there have been plenty of celebrities that have spoken out about what is going on and have made donations. And so today, I think it was Kanye that actually like set up a foundation for Mm -hmm. his family, George Floyd's family, $2 million to well, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Amai Arbery. Yes. And I believe he did a 529 college saving plan for George Floyd's daughter as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I mean that's big in, in my book that he uh, did take the time to do that because, I mean, it, it's a tragic situation that we have came to a, a situation in America where um, we need to be giving donation to the fallen kids and um, descendants of slain black men and women, or just people of color in general. Mm-hmm. I uh, think I think it's super dope. You yeah. know that he did that for them. 
just because I think we already have enough adversities against us and this would just help their children and their families, you know, get a leg up and, you know, it's not going to bring back their loved one, but, you know, just showing that, you know, someone cares. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's still tragic, but yeah, the the people that are showing that they care and donating, um, I know a lot of controversy, uh, controversy has been said about Kanye um over over the last what three to four years because of his association with uh number 45 um yeah. but it, it's at times like this because you got to think kanye has been an advocate for um obviously police brutality uh he was a bit advocate when katrina happened uh when he said the famous clip george bush doesn't care about black people so right a social warrior he does some stuff that's a little off um at times definitely <laughs> uh, art is there in the right place but one thing i don't think from his african-american consumers because i think only 1.2 million um people that were black voted for donald trump uh a lot of us from that standpoint that does consume his music do have an issue with that so um he doesn't i, I don't think uh donald trump represents african-american people um and i think that's just a false facade that is being put around to, I guess, garner the black vote. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that um, President Trump is not for black people. I feel that he has the platform and the power to change this whole narrative that the country is under right now. But because he is how he is, I feel like a lot of white Americans feel that it is okay to openly show disdain for the black community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, after he got elected, uh, hate crimes went up in some places, 400%. Um, But I don't think, so for myself, I I like history. Uh, I know I don't get to talk about that on Irresponsible Mentors. We're usually talking about um, some reckless stuff. Uh, But I, I'm a student of history. Uh, like I think every president from um, from when uh, the the job that I'm in currently um, that I've seen had their like watershed moment. And what I what I mean by that, like uh, George Bush had 9/11. That was his mm-hmm. moment. Um, you had Obama. He had um, finding Osama bin Laden. Um, he had his Sandy Hooks. Like he they had their their moments where it went down in history. But it's not the fact that they captured it, but they led the American people. If you get what I'm saying, like they were yeah. able to give kind words and encouragement and uh, just the, the patriotism behind their speeches. It kind of uplifted America. Donald Trump has not done that at all. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, Charlottesville, um, you just just a bunch of senseless killings where you can sit there and uh, say that you are not down with white supremacy. You're not down with um, mowing people over with the car that's protesting. And he said, you heard the speech, you can go listen to it. There are good people on both sides. In Charlottesville, there were black people and white people protesting against police brutality. And then you had white supremacy that was against that. And a person were was ran down and killed. And how could you say there were good people on both sides? That's like a, that's an oxymoron. So, yeah. Uh, I think sometimes he speaks but before he thinks, but... This is how I think in my book. Your first reaction is always your your truest thoughts or whatever. And so I just feel that everything that he says is nothing to me is nothing he can do to turn around and apologize and be like, you know, I want to take back what I said. I said it without thinking, you know, whatever you said, what you said. You said what you said. Um, Even the whole photo op this past uh, Monday, I believe that was June 1st uh, of leaving the White House, 1630, leaving um, the White House, walking to Lafayette Park. If you're not, if you're not really familiar with the geography of D.C., D.C., uh, the backside of the White House, not the side where the, the plane lands, faces mm-hmm. called Lafayette Park. Yeah. It's directly across from the White House. And they had a peaceful protest. And at 1830, after Santa's speech in the Rose Garden, you can hear... Uh, tear gas going off, rubber bullets being fired. He takes that time because obviously on Saturday and Friday he went down into the bunker. That's well known. 
he took that as a photo op to walk through that peaceful protest and take a picture in front of a church. And if you see the picture, it's a representation of his cabinet. It was all Caucasian people. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate talking about him. I, I'm off him. I'm happy about um, how Kanye West uh, has been uh, helping African-American uh, people. I just hope that um, he doesn't keep going down the road of supporting somebody that doesn't support people like him. He has to look in the mirror. Yeah. The I definitely mm-hmm. hope Trump's responses show Kanye that he is not for the black people, just like, you know, when Bush was in office and he said George Bush don't like black people. Yeah. I think he needs to to reevaluate. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe he was uh uh, I, I would have gave him my irresponsible mentor of the week, or <laughs> like um, if we had that segment, it's a new one on our show. But uh, yeah, I he I would give him my responsible this week because what he did is very um, commendable, and I think it's dope, like you said. So I have no problem with it. Yeah, but- he, on Thursday he also um, joined the protesters in Chicago, which is my hometown as well. And I know that definitely showed the people of Chicago that, you know, Kanye is, you know, with the movement. And I wholeheartedly believe that his Mm -hmm. actions are coming from a genuine place. And you did ask me a question if I, well, because obviously you sent me some some, uh, stuff that we were going to discuss. And one of the questions I think you asked me was, did I think it was for clout? Yeah. Uh, No, no. Because he didn't have a whole entourage out there with him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He was trying to be incognito because I thought it would have been for clout if he would have publicized it. Like, I'm going to tweet out, I'm going to march in Chicago. I don't think there was any fan flair. I don't think he pre-announced it. So I No, do- I think he just showed up to genuinely support. Uh, so I know it was on the shade room, and <laughs> we all know how the shade room is the shade room. But no, right. I, don't it w- I don't think it was for clout. I think it was genuine. Um He's not out there. I mean, you see a lot of people, they're trying to use this whole George Floyd thing to, uh, I don't know. It's like, I seen I seen a, a Caucasian female in New York that had a Black Lives Matter sign. And the way that she was dressed, like when you're out protesting, you don't wear heels. And you know what I mean? You're not dressed up like you're going to, you don't got your Sunday's best on. Right. And she had a sign up. And then the person that was taking the picture was like trying to move her around, like trying to get her angles. And I'm like, this is not what it's about. Like, we're not out here for fanfare. We don't need you guys to be like, I'm down with the cause by posting up a Black Lives Matter picture and then trying to get likes for the gram. That's ignorant. Definitely. Definitely. Because I know I would not be out there in no heels. I would be in some comfortable shoes. Like, even if I had just came to not necessarily march, but kind of maybe stand on the sideline and have a sign, I would still have on some comfortable standing shoes. So you can definitely tell if you coming out there in heels, you ain't came to stay for no time. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You're trying to flick it up and, and take off. Right. But one thing, I know you've been to D.C. before. Mm-hmm. I the news um, of the D.C. mayor, which I think is so dope. She's real dope. Uh, so the street leading up 16th Street to Lafayette Park. Did you mm-hmm. see what she allowed um, the peaceful protesters to do? No, I, I haven't. Uh, so the the other person that does the show with me, uh, Tuck, um, he went down and he took pictures because uh, he was about to go out of town. So um, she allowed um, some peaceful protesters to basically paint the street leading up to Lafayette Park and put Black Lives oh, Matter. Oh, I did see that. I did see that. Mm-hmm. That was dope. That, that, that was, was dope. President Trump because <laughs> it's not <laughs> his street. It's right in front of the White House. Damn near. And it's like. Yeah, I thought that was real dope. So Yeah, I think that's dope. I think I saw a shot from maybe a drone or something like that, but it was I thought it was super dope. Yeah, that's that was real dope. Um hopefully it doesn't cause division because you know, if they did that, I know some people are going to try to go tag that up, but just for her to allow that um the DC mayor really does show that she stands with the whole uh BLM movement. Mhm. Which mm-hmm. I I think Honestly, I think everybody in some type of leadership position should be showing their, um, you know, showing their, you know, that they stand with us. Mm-hmm. Because 
you don't just govern or lead white people or whatever the case may be. You, you know, you serve over a diverse group of people. So Mm -hmm. you should be willing to say, I stand for your cause. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes, um, I, I hate the, the comparison of all lives matter. And then it's not the fact, uh, not even a, <laughs> they try to put light on all this stuff. Cause obviously we're going to move into some, uh, more light topics. Uh, cause she did send me some funny ones, but I just, <laughs> the, the BLM movement is not about like, Hey, uh, I think everybody should care about black people. Like, no, yeah, we want you to care about black people. We want to see that, Hey, um, there's police brutality going on. And we just all we're saying is our lives matter, so we should be treated equally as Americans. Like, exactly. That's how I look at it. I'm not. I don't need you to be like, oh, like if a person is says they support Black Lives Matter, that doesn't mean that they're racist. Like, I I I, I support it, and I have white friends, I have Asian friends, I have Hispanic friends. Um, obviously, with our jobs, we have a diverse group of people that we interact with on a daily basis. So right. The BLM movement is just, hey. Our lives matter. Um, we want to stop the census killing of uh, young black females, young black males, and we just want our share for the American dream. Is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Especially, especially since you know we were brought over here against our ancestors were brought over here against their will. It's yeah. like at least make us feel like we're at home since we helped build this country as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, shit, America, like the protests and stuff, people get mad about it. Do I condone looting and uh, all that stuff? And it's not my forte. Uh, but the reason why they do it is they do it for <laughs> like it's we're tired. So right. it's it's a disruption of the system. Mm-hmm. That system that held us down, the system that has pressed us. Uh, what happened in um, with the Boston Tea Party? It was taxation without representation. So yeah. happened. Like America was built on protest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Definitely. There was this activist that gave this eloquent speech um, um, with uh, George Floyd and Stephon Jackson, and she put in more better in better words than I can put it. I'm just a, a podcaster, so I'm not an mm-hmm. actor. <laughs> um, yeah, that, and what she was trying to say is this violence that you are so um so so shocking by it's something that we learned from you <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? like, like so i hate when people get appalled like i don't understand why they're looting rioting because hey sometimes riots get people heard but i do think as black people uh we need to start doing um i think killer mike says it um for me uh one reason why i support your podcast like i listen to obviously a lot of urban podcasts breakfast club yours and I don't really listen to, it's not like I'm listening to Rush Limbaugh, is that you need to support, like, your show. You need to support my show. You need to support black businesses. You should bank black. I'm still trying to figure it out because I don't know where a black bank is. But when I do, I'm going to put some money in there. And it's yeah. Because- I, I think I, I, I'll send you, um, I've seen some people posting about some black banks or whatever. So I'll send you a list. Yeah. I definitely would like to, because I just joined a group in, uh, I was I'm going to share your podcast and mine on there. So it's a Facebook group and um, they've been supporting a lot during these uh, hard and troubling times in the last couple of weeks. So um, I think as a black people, um, one way to cause disruption without obviously burning down and looting is economically mm-hmm. businesses that support the party or the interests that you don't support. Definitely. I So when it comes to supporting black owned businesses i know a lot of people have been saying like okay so we did blackout tuesday what next you know and i think if we start you like if you notice like fast food restaurants their advertising you know is geared towards the black community you know what if we stop patronizing you know, restaurants, certain restaurants and only eating at Black-owned restaurants. Like, I think the economy would genuinely hurt if we spent our money with Black-owned businesses versus, you know, other than Black businesses. And, um, but, you know, I don't know if people are ready to change up some things in order to support the movement. 
<laughs> I mean, I think. What do what do we have to lose? Like we're already giving their giving our money to them. It's not like you're gonna give it to a black bank and they're gonna run off with it. Um, these black banks is these black banks are FDIC, which is federally insured, which you have to be as a bank. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. But I think that is going rapid for the hot topic, and mm-hmm. we're gonna go ahead and move over into the hot cup of cocoa. So today's hot cup of cocoa, I have been trying to find someone to talk about this for quite some time. And I thought about it and I was like, Chip T would be a great person. So I was glad that he was willing to do this episode. And basically it is about black men dating or marrying outside of their race. So, um, Chip T, I know your wife is, what did you say she is? Because she's not white, but she is. Uh, She is Filipino and Arabic. Okay, Filipino and Arabic. So, prior to your wife, did you um, date other non-black women? Uh, Not really. Um, I... Mm, no, not really, because I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, um, mm-hmm. and when I was growing up, my high school, um, and I, when I went to uh, Jacksonville University for a year, uh, mm-hmm. majority was black and white, so uh, <laughs> I, I really was exposed to just those two uh, demographics, and then obviously uh, moving to San Antonio was a culture shock for me, and mm-hmm. I tried. I've dated Hispanic women. Well, it's not. It wasn't my cup of tea. Um, so, uh, well, the the funny thing is, when I did meet my wife, I I did. I thought she was Spanish. I met her at um, ATL premiere, uh, the movie ATL. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, when I met her, I said "Coma estas," and then she was like, "Yo, fool, I'm Filipino. I'm not Mexican." I was like, "Oh, all right." So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I. It is a it is a difference. Um, obviously, dating somebody outside your race, there's always going to be cultural differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have an issue with uh, dating African American. The the one I was with the longest before my wife, I think, uh, was like for three to four years, and um, she was uh, black from Charleston, South Carolina, so um, very deep Southern root. So, uh, yeah, that's how I met my wife, and it it wasn't no, I didn't have a thing like for like Asian women or something, or did I not have a thing with like, oh, I'm against dating black women. No, that wasn't the case. I'm like 100% pro-black. It just, it, it ended up that way is how I say it. Right. Yeah. So I will say I have not always been okay with seeing black men date outside of their race, but that li- that feeling literally came from a situation I was in and the person that my ex ended up marrying right after. Um, and technically, we were not fully done when I found out he was married to, and he had gotten married to an Italian girl. And so I was, you know, it would make me feel away every time I saw a, a black guy with a woman other <laughs> than black. And um, I'm not, I think like really building friendships with people other than black is what made me change the perspective. Um, Because I, like, I've never dated outside of my race, but I have white female friends and I've asked them, you know, have you ever dated a black guy before? And they're like, oh yeah, for sure. You know, and it's just like, I wish I could be that open. And, you know, I guess like just really getting to know them and, understanding that love doesn't come in a color you know yeah absolutely because um i was in the same premise of you like uh when i was growing up or even when i first came in um and obviously i can sit there and say it was just an upbringing it was like hey why is this african-american female with this white dude and obviously my mindset has changed obviously 
if you still think the same way as a 21 year old when you're 30, then that's a you problem and you didn't evolve. Um, but I was so more, um, in, in the South, uh, we have a thing called colorism. I've seen that more growing up than I did actually people getting mad because it wasn't, it wasn't like it was accepted in the South, uh, for, a Caucasian female to be dating a, a black male or a black male to be dating a Caucasian female. It was like kind of frowned upon on, especially when I was growing up in Jacksonville because it still has deep Southern roots and stuff. And we basically call it Southern Georgia. Like we're right across the border. Um, and we still had places in Jacksonville in 2005 when I was getting out of high school that you still couldn't drive down those streets because there were Confederate flags. Uh, I remember when we would get bussed into a place called Middleburg that we would have to take police escorts because they didn't want us out in that town after it got dark. And we were playing a high school football game. Wow. This is 15 years ago. So, um, but now I see as I've grown, um, matured and obviously started reading more, understanding life and just by our job in general, like I don't look at it as bad as I did back in the day. Um, having kids now, would I want my daughter to marry a black man? Absolutely. I'm not going to lie to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Oh, the cookouts would be better. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they wash their chicken. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I would not be mad as long as the person that she ends up with does love her. Mm-hmm. So that, I prefer, what? but I won't be mad. <laughs> That's I've had that same thought process when, um, you know, you have these type of conversations with people and. You know, I'm always like, you know, I can want and pray that my children end up being heterosexual individuals and they marry black people. But you can't force what you want on other people uh, to include your children. I don't have children yet, but I see so many people, you know, for trying to force their beliefs on their children. Like, have you seen those videos on social media where there have been, I think it's been two that I've seen where there were white children basically arguing with their parents about the Black Lives Matter. And um, I think it's disturbing that, you know, parents being like, you shouldn't care. That has nothing to do with you. You shouldn't care about that. You're not black. You know, whatever their reason or thoughts are behind not wanting to support the Black Lives Matter, I think that it is, it's hurtful. I feel bad for those children to feel like they can't talk about how they feel in their home, which is supposed to be your place of comfort. Yeah, and then, um, and like, I don't, their parents, right, they're ignorant. Um, Mm -hmm. We, like I said, they probably grew up and heard it from their parents Oh yeah, like they probably their parents probably used the N word with the ER. Their parents probably told them we don't want black people in our house. But I think as you mature as an adult, you should start to realize that the thinkings of the past are not very prevalent in the future right now in the present. So it's sad that their parents are talking to them like that. I'm glad that the children are not being brainwashed by that. Um, but it's just it sucks to see them subjected to that level of fuckery. Uh, with their parents because I've seen one video where uh, a Caucasian female was talking and her granddad basically like cussed her out for saying that she supports the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that but it is what it is like we still have racism in our country so I'm not surprised when I see it it's just saddened a lot of people when they watch it Um, but yeah it's crazy to see those videos but it's just the times that we're living in Mm -hmm. for sure for sure um, so with you being married to a other than black woman, how has the current events affected your household? Okay. Um, that, that that's a great question because, uh, I think I had this conversation, I want to say probably four or five days ago. Um, my uh, wife came to me and then obviously she is the mother of black kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, her job, obviously sometimes they try to stay away from it because she's on the O side, not the E side, if you yeah. know what I'm talking about. So mm-hmm. um, her thinking um, obviously was a little different because it's just 
the society we live in. Uh, the E's think a little different than the O's. Right. Uh, and she's in a program now uh, getting her doctorates up here in Bethesda um, where there's not many people that look like her or that look like our kids. So, right. um, and she came to me and was like, I feel bad and I want to post because I have black children. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you should. And I'm not trying to say like, if you don't and you're sitting on the sidelines, if that's what you choose to do um, and you support and you don't want to post because like, I'm I'm off Facebook right now. Like, I'm not really fucking with it because you look down the timeline, it's nothing but neg- negativity. Yeah. I'm tired of saying I don't need that negative energy. But I said, I do think you should. And yeah, it, it saddens her. Like, she cried when she seen that. I won't watch the video. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't watched it yet. I've seen clips of it. Um, but she, obviously, for her, it's a different experience than her friends, um, her family, uh, because she's married to a black person. She's raising a, a black son that one day is going to have to have the talk. Yeah. So, um, and her sister, my sister-in-law, her sister, obviously, um, She's a radical. Uh, shout out to Megan. Because um, <laughs> she she's in nursing school right now, um, following her sister's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she texted me and was like, hey, I want to go to the rallies there in Seattle. And I told her just with the whole COVID stuff. And then obviously my father-in-law being like 62 and stuff and having pre-existing condition, pre conditions. Mm-hmm. I told I'm glad you want to, like, because she's a radical. She was like, I don't I don't want this to happen to my niece and nephew. And I get that. But um, I told her I didn't think she needed to go. But her support, like, I know you support <laughs> black people because obviously your brother-in-law is black and your, your niece and nephew are black. Um, but I told her she shouldn't. But so, Megan, I, I'm, I'm glad you want to be sister soldier. But sit this one out <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, it's just it's good that she does want to do it. And I'm glad that my wife wanted to sit there and actually say something because a lot of her friends have chosen to stay quiet and I'm happy she posted. She did. There was a lot of love, no negativity. Uh, Cause that's one thing I won't do is let nobody disrespect her. And I'm not going to play Twitter fingers or, uh, and all that stuff going back and forth with people, but it was no negativity on her side and it saddens her. And this is just the life she lives. And she's more affected by it because she's married to a black man than I think if she was married to um, another Asian or a white person. Because if you're not actually living with somebody and hearing the struggles, because she hears the stories. Sometimes I come home and tell her about, because there's been a lot of talks at work mm-hmm. about diversity and, oh, like there's a, a disparaging um, uh, level of justice for black people in our jobs, which we already knew that. Right. <laughs> with the new rating system you can see it uh but she's kind of removed from it because she doesn't have to go through that because of the position she's in she started off as an e and then she became oh so she knows about it because she's experienced it before but she's kind of removed so um our household has definitely had those talks um her mom has talked to me and sometimes they talk to me because like outside of me who do they really know that's black yeah. So, um, they get to talk to me and I'm going to give you my opinion if you ask for it. You might not like it. <laughs> you might think I'm crazy, but I'm going to give it to you. And I, I mean, well, and I just think it's a diverse household that I live in. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad for that. And I'm, I'm happy that my kids get to see um, two different cultures. Definitely. So and how many children do you have? A boy and a girl, and I think I'm done. So, <laughs> I got the perfect pair. One go to Spelman, one go to Morehouse. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And um, so is your son the youngest, or? He's he's four. My daughter is six, going on sixteen. So. I hear that all too often. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I, it's a it's a fun time. It sucks right now with this COVID stuff, keeping them cooped up in the house. But um, I think if they were older, um. I definitely would allow them to see all the stuff going on. But yeah. right now, I'm so young that I don't want to expose them to that. Uh, so when we do have those talks, it's usually uh, when they're not around because I don't think kids need to. Kids don't know what racism is. Kids, they don't look at uh, people and be like, oh, this person doesn't look like me. I don't want to play with them. Like, um, obviously, my kids go to a diverse school. Um, 
and, and Bethesda with a lot of diplomats and stuff. So uh, that have their children in there. So they go uh, to a school where there's kids from like 23 different countries. So they're used to having diversity. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's super dope that they get to see so many different races on a daily basis. Yeah, it's a lot. When I walked in there, I was like, what? So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, DC is a melting pot. Like, that's why I love DC. Um, obviously, I don't want to stay here forever because the East Coast is trash because of the time difference. And I like sports, but uh, I, DC is definitely a diverse city. So, mm-hmm. in here. I definitely, I'm trying to get to DC. So, I hope. That is in my near future. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think when it comes to children, they they know what you teach them and what you expose them to. Mm-hmm. And those pictures that you see on social media with the, you know, the black and white kid have, you know, playing together or whatever. Um, I think that that goes to show you that kids don't see color. No, they know? don't. Did you see the video? The little like um, it's a meme of a. It's like a little black kid and a little white kid, and they're running because they haven't seen each other in so long. And like, <laughs> you see your best friend after being quarantined, like yeah. genuine right there. Like they did not see color. They were like, "Yo, that is my friend. Let me go hug him." Right. <laughs> so, speaking of, and one thing for I know you you moderating this show is um, one time my daughter did come up to me and she, which. It kind of made me mad, but I had to talk to her. Is because um, she seen some kids that look more like her mom in school, mm-hmm. and it's like, I want my hair straight. And I was like, Why do you want your hair straight? Your hair's curly, like it's natural, it's beautiful. Obviously, she's half black, half Asian, and uh, Arabic, so her hair is super curly. And I yeah. was like, Why do you want your hair to look like that? She was like, Oh, I just want my hair to look like mommy and my friends. And Coco, that made me. I was upset inside. Because I'm like, why the hell does she want her hair straight? You know, mm-hmm. um, your hair is curly and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that did make me mad. Speaking of, like, kids growing up, like, see, they, they see stuff like that. And nobody taught her that mm-hmm. into her mind. Like, why does my hair not look yeah. like my mom's and my other friends? And I was kind of saddened by that. Mm-hmm. So I will say that, well, I've been natural now since 2012, so for quite some time, but during this journey of being natural, I have definitely struggled with it, Um, and not because I don't like being natural, but you know, just having to tame my hair every day for work. Um, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's a lot. And I don't wear my natural hair in its curly state as much as I would like, just because of the amount of work that it would take to tame it, you know, to go to work on Monday. But, um, it, it has like, there have been older black women that I have worked with who are just like, um, no, that's not it. Try again, you know, comb your hair, you know, and it's just like, oh, they really tell you that? Yeah, this lady told me that before. What? And, um, every time we would get a new black person in the office, because I'm the type of person I don't like to be talked to, you know, so if I can minimize the amount of reprimand that you have to give to me on a daily basis, you know, I'm going to do it. So I have conformed to, you know, get my hair laid and slick, you know, just, I don't put no heat or anything on my hair, but it's, I can lay it down to put it in a neat bun. Um, And a lot of black people won't do it because, you know, it takes away from being natural, kind of, you, you think, know, but I've learned to manipulate my hair. You, you think people uh, look at you different because your hair is natural? Um, no. Um, most white people, they're like, I love your hair. Why don't, like this girl the other day asked me, why don't I wear my hair out at work? And I'm like, because that ain't in rigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cannot do that like <laughs> right like this is um you know one of the secretaries in the office and she's like why don't you wear it out and i'm like because that ain't allowed <laughs> <laughs> do they ever touch your hair 
No, I've not had anyone touch my hair in a long time. Would you? And I think them? I think it's just because it's always in a bun. Okay, okay. Because like I always wondered how y'all felt about that. Because I I did have one time way way back in the day. Um, I went to a party on the south side of San Antonio, and um, it was the weirdest thing to me uh, because it was with my supervisor and his grandmother came up to me. And obviously he was translating because I don't understand Spanish. And yeah. he was, my grandma touched her face. And I was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> she never really seen a black person. And then she touched my face and then she was like, oh, it's soft. And I'm thinking in my head, did she I think, we, yeah, like, you, should, you think we alligators? Like, it was weird. <laughs> and it's like, because, and that's why I equate that to like people asking to touch her hair. Like, why do you want to touch my hair? Why do you want to touch my face? I, I don't know. Like, but I get it. She was a, an older Mexican lady that was like 60 or 70 that really didn't interact with black people, but weirdest mm-hmm. ever happened. So, and then yeah. she saw it. I was like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I will say it's been a long time since someone has touched my hair, but um, there, there have been instances where someone has done it, and I'm not the, the person that's like, ooh, don't touch me, you know, because. I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm not that friendly when I'm out and about. So mm-hmm. if someone does touch my, it's someone that I know, yeah. you know, it's not just a random person or whatever. So it hasn't really bothered me in the past if it's happened. But I will say someone said something to me one time. It was a, a guy that I was dating and I was combing my hair one day and he's like, oh, it don't sound rough when you comb your hair, you know, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, the fuck you mean by that? Like, did you snap your neck and look back at him? I did. I was like, <laughs> the fuck? Like, what? And he was like, well, he, because he had daughters and he would do his daughter's hair, but they were mixed with, like, I think their mom was, like, Mexican or something like that. Uh, Hispanic. And so... You know, he not used to dealing with just straight up black people hair. So he's just like, your hair don't sound like regular black people hair. And I'm just like, um, I'm not sure how to respond to that or why you thought that was okay to say. Mm, yeah, I wouldn't have said that. There's a lot of stuff. I I grew up with a black mom and I, I know tactfulness around uh, our black sisters and queens. Don't <laughs> 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 <I'll> say <laughs> you didn't read the room, so right. But you got to read the room sometimes. And I would, I'd be like, if he would have said that, and I was around, I'd have been like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> he he apologized because he was like, I didn't mean to offend you, and I was just like, it definitely made me look at him differently because it was just like. Cause he had he had that in his head that he thought all black women's hair was rough. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just like everybody don't got rough hair. <laughs> what the fuck wrong with you? <laughs> right, like dude, you grew up in a black house with a black mama. Like, don't yeah, you yeah. got some? Te- you that far removed that you don't remember how to talk to a black woman? Because <laughs> <laughs> I I was like the first person that he dated after he got divorced, and so I'm just like, are you that far removed? <laughs> yeah it's funny because you said it about your hair and stuff like and i grew up in a house full of of black women um uh, my sister my mom and my dad but my dad was always working so i always used to get the fifth degree and um and i always used to see them like putting products in their hair and doing all that stuff and my mom would be like yeah i got good hair i got indian in my blood and Funny thing is, she came up here one day, and I had just did my ancestrytest.com, mm. uh, com test and stuff. It came came to find out when I tell you we have zero percent Indian. Like, and I told her that she was like, "That thing got to be wrong." I said, "Look, lady, <laughs> this you don't got no goddamn Indian in your blood. That's the the white folk shit that's in your system because you know some of us do have just because you already know of how slaves were treated." Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it was like 17, 18% British. And I was like, oh, that's why I'm like light skinned. But it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I have about 23% European yeah. in me. But 
you know, it's just like we have got to do better. <laughs> y'all stop thinking black people hair is rough and our and our skin is is rough. Like <laughs> wrong with y'all. We use uh cocoa butter and shea butter. Yeah, oh, shea listen. butter. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want would you want to get into next? Um so how how are you feeling? So I know we we touched on this a bit about the you know BLM movement. Um how do you feel about George Floyd being killed the way he was? Okay. Um I don't think I never I haven't said this on I think I did already like 60, 70 shows. And I have not talked about um, like my profession. Uh, been in a career job for like 14 years. Um, and I worked off base in San Antonio in conjunction with our job uh, as, as part-time mm-hmm. uh, um, as a cop for seven years for Bear County. Um, yeah. And uh De- Derek Chauvin I have seen people like that um I have worked with people like that um I worked with a partner that was Caucasian that every time we got into the car together I dreaded it and I don't think he didn't like but I, I, did, I do not think that he had a racism bone in his body he was more so scared of black people Mm-hmm. You said it on your last show. Sometimes people put on a gun and badge, and they think they're they think they're God. Yeah, it's not the case. Um, I take a different approach, and I know a lot of people are mad at cops, but all no, all all cops are not the same because I'm not. Um, I do not believe in police brutality. Uh, I would probably be the last person that would ever shoot somebody or kill somebody on duty because I'm more about de-escalation than escalation. Mm-hmm to see Mr. Chauvin and uh, Officer Tao arrive on scene to a fake $20 bill call. I have gotten that call both in my government capacity and on the civilian side, more so on the civilian side, because obviously it doesn't really happen um, on, on installations. But even on installations, if you do get a fake $20 bill, a fake $10 bill, and they got multiple... 20s on them and stuff they probably got past the fake somewhere when you go there you take the money uh you give them a receipt you refer to the secret service and you go there's no ticket (laughs) there's no handcuffs there's nothing Mm -hmm. so just do not know how that cop arrived on scene because it was six cops in total uh because they were partners so it was three cop cars arrives on scene george floyd obviously they if he was drunk cool like you shouldn't drink and drive i don't condone it um, I'll do the field sobriety test. If you fell him, you go to jail, you'll get out tomorrow. Um, right. So that could have ended that way. If you had the $20 bill, you could have did, like I just said, did you know that you had it? No. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you a summons. Um, uses what they give you, refer to the secret service and you're about your business. There's mm. no handcuffs. There's no getting in the back of the car. It's, it's a, it's a misdemeanor. <laughs> like I, and everybody wants to break up his, his past. And I hate when I hear that because a lot of people have checkered past. A lot of people have had their run-ins with the law or have went and did some jail time. At the end of the day, should George Floyd have died in that capacity? No. Like, it was senseless. Definitely. Eight minutes and 46 seconds is like, it's utterly ridiculous that anybody can sit there and justify that. And I've seen the, what's the Candace Owens of the world, which I can talk about her after this, because I definitely want to get my two cents on her. <laughs> um, he shouldn't have died. Like, at the end of it, like, he should have either went to jail or been released. And what about his business? Mm. I think David Chauvin came there and escalated the situation. Because as soon as he got out the car, he was on go. Mm-hmm. Like I said, from being a cop off base for seven, seven to eight years, I've seen my fair share of David Chauvin's. When they arrive on scene and I'm there, I'm like, fuck, it's about to escalate. And that's what he did. He killed him. Um, It wasn't justified. He murdered that man. Yeah. So that's how I feel about it. I think he's a piece of shit. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like if it was, why was the police even called for the counterfeit $20 bill? I feel like, like you said, he should have just asked, like, do you know this ain't real? You know, and if he said no, then it'd be like, bro, you need to, this, you know, look at your money because the yeah. shit, shit is fake. Yeah. <laughs> or if he knew, like, get your ass up out of here and yeah. don't come back up in here unless you got some real damn money. You know what I'm saying? Duval County. Hey, man, get your dumb ass out this store. Like, we're not calling the cops for that. Yeah. So. <laughs> like but, get the fuck on and you're not getting the merch <laughs> <laughs> like hey, what's wrong with you come on man dumbass dude like but i i heard the 911 call because i did look at a it's a new york times piece and mm-hmm. he called and said he gave i think it was the cup store or whatever i can't really remember the name of it they uh they did approach the vehicle and i guess they went outside initially and they asked him like for he wanted to go buy a pack of cigarettes and he was like, hey, can I get the cigarettes back? Dude was like, George, Florida, somebody in the car. Uh, they never said that. Basically told him to fuck off. And mm-hmm. that's when he went to go call the cops. Now, I get that. But still, like, as soon as they got there, the dude, like, I don't even know if they, you've seen the video that the first cop that approached pulled his gun out and pointed it at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw that. And I don't know why, why that happened because he quickly reholstered it. Um, and, and I hate that fact, too. Off base um in most jurisdictions which um a lot of cops can attest to you don't need really a justifiable reason to pull your weapon because you can pull your weapon as a show of force mm-hmm. that's true like you can look it up like uh, you can look up the training manuals and all that if you some cops when they pull you over at night they'll pull their gun out and put it behind their leg because they just want to be ready do i do that no like come on like everybody's not out here to like do cops bad but even as me as a black man in America, I get nervous when cops pull me over. Yeah. Like, and I'm a cop. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, I got pulled over one time. It was the craziest thing. And it was my fault. Um, I was coming here from Texas and I went to Baltimore. And Baltimore is a, a different city. <laughs> it's very live there. And yeah. Very, uh, they have a lot of hills. So I was in a car with me and my wife. We were... Uh, going to, to the harbor uh, down in Baltimore. I accidentally ran a red light because I was coming down the hill, and I'm like, there's no way there's going to be a red light. So I went, and when I went, I went literally in front of a cop car, and he almost hit me. Uh-huh. <laughs> when he pulled me over, four cops jumped out of one car, and like they had their guns out and stuff, and then they came up to the car, and it was like, yo, like, what's your issue? And I was like, hey, that's my fault. You want to give me a ticket? I was like, hey, I am a cop. Like, I got my license on me, and I'm armed. And they were like, you are? And I was like, yeah. So they had me get out the car. They looked at my license, and they were like, hey, man, you just need to be more careful. Like, all right, have a good day. And that that terrified my wife and me more than anything because why do you need to pull your guns out for a traffic infraction? Yeah. That happened to me. <laughs> like, that's crazy. So mm-hmm. I, I, I understand why people are scared of cops, and um, but some cops just do dumb stuff. Like I cannot believe that George George Floyd died from from some senseless twenty dollar bill. Yeah, yeah. That that's definitely it, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like even just watching him just laying there lifeless and um yeah that's sickening. Yeah, and Chauvin is still on his neck like. Like, no remorse. And then when they moved him into the, like, onto the stretcher, like, they was literally just throwing him around. <laughs> he was already unconscious then. And yeah, I, and I, he, he was already dead, but it was just still, like, have some respect for, for the human life that you just took. Like, God. And I hate I hate when uh, they do coroner's reports. Mm-hmm. And they come back with, oh, he had hypertension, which, damn it. Half of Black America does. Um, mm-hmm. um, he had fentanyl in his system, supposedly, and they had all this shit that they put that this person has in his system. And they do that with they did that with Michael Brown, they did that with Trayvon Martin, they did that with Sandra Bland. They tried to put like, oh, they had a pre-existing condition. The thing is, but when they died, were they walking upright and talking? Right. <laughs> so was George Floyd? Did the hypertension cause him to die? Was he going to fall over? No. 
he died because you put your goddamn knee on his neck. Right. And then the coroner should definitely lose his license talking about some he didn't die from asphyxiation. (laughs) Like, come on. Like, and and that's the thing. Like, that's why people are mad in America right now because we see this stuff on video and we watch it. And then you try to tell us, like, it's raining when you're pissing on our leg. Like, Mm -hmm. do you know we see the video? And it's like, yeah, he died from hypertension. What? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's why that's why people are riding looting right now. Do that looting right now because they're tired of y'all fucking lying to us. It's yeah. like it's crazy. Y'all yeah. let y'all let um George Zimmerman like le- like leave after he killed uh I mean get off after he killed what Trayvon Martin. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just a history of black people dying senseless, senseless, and that's why we are where we are in America right now. With the whole stand your ground, like, just like Zimmerman had the right to stand his ground, Trayvon Martin had the right to stand his ground. But the difference is Trayvon Martin didn't have a weapon. So there, I think in that instance alone, and in that just that being said alone, Zimmerman should have been found guilty. <laughs> See, he initiated the contact and then he pulled his weapon with Trayvon Martin, a 17 year old uh, black kid started beating his ass. That's what happened. You got yeah. your and you brought a gun into the situation. Trayvon Martin wasn't going to kill you. You were just going to beat your ass for coming up to him in the middle of the night. Just like yeah. a person would. Like, I could have been Trayvon Martin. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm dead ass if somebody would have did that and I'm walking down the street in, in Jacksonville, Florida, and a dude comes up to me and, like, I don't know what your intentions is, and you come up aggressively, I might punch you in the face. Yeah, for so, sure. <laughs> that's just that's where we and you grew up in Chicago. If if a girl came up to you and you're walking down the block and you don't fight. Yeah, you might you fight. You don't fight. <laughs> like, we fight. Yeah, I'm always on go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's crazy. I think uh I, I think uh black people need to get to the polls. I know everybody's saying voting doesn't matter, but if you got these uh stupid ass DAs, um city councilmen, mayors and elected officials that do not want to do nothing for police brutality, you need to go to the fucking polls and vote. Right. And And get the people in office who do care about those things. And hopefully it's a person of color. I don't care if it's Hispanic, Asian, like America needs to be stopped. America needs to stop being run by white old men. Yeah. Who are out of touch. Yes. (laughs) Like, they don't represent us. Like, Joe Biden is the only Democratic viable candidate, but Joe Biden is no different than Donald Trump. He's just a Democrat. Like they both had been called racist. They both been accused of sexual assault. Like they both a rich old white man. Like mm-hmm. just we're basically picking a lesser of two evils. It's just that yeah. we don't have a viable candidate that can get passed through the Democratic um committee. Like that's how I felt last election. Like it was literally picking the lesser of two evils. Yeah. It was like asking if you wanted AIDS or herpes. Like both of them are bad. One's not gonna kill me. <laughs> right. So, but like Hillary Clinton, just from our our job, I can tell you that I know people that have met her, and they said she is the epitome of an asshole. Damn. So all that pulling out the hot sauce on the on the on the Breakfast Club and doing all that, like shook uh, sh- and jiving. Mm. Pain- like to the black people, like that that shit did not go over. Like, and I get it. She had a lot of heavy hitters. She had Jay Z, Beyonce. She had a lot of people sitting there trying to ride for it. Still don't know how she lost. That's another discussion. Uh, but I felt like last. I'm not gonna lie. In the 2016 election, I did not vote. I I didn't either, and <laughs> I I felt so guilty that I didn't. But I just didn't know who to vote for. Well, this year I'm gonna obviously vote because I cannot do another four years of this. So yeah, I'm st- waiting on my voter registration stuff to come in the mail now. Like I've already submitted my paperwork, just waiting on them to say, "Here go your registration card." Yeah, and I just remember that night when President Trump got elected. Oh, that was a dark day. Oh, <laughs> shit! <laughs> I thought it was a joke. <laughs> no, I, I thought I was no because. I, I I was stayed up the whole night and I just remember like, cause the whole time leading up to the elections, 
Um, you can listen to the old catalog from Irresponsible Mentors. I'm sorry for the shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> we thought it was a joke. We were like, man, there's no fucking way he's going to get elected. Like, like him? Are you serious? Like, the stuff he said, um, him saying, hey, black people, vote for me. What do you got to lose? Like, <laughs> like man, this dude is out of touch. Very. So three and a half years later, he still said he's I think his rhetoric has gotten worse over the three years before he actually got elected. Mm-hmm. And that's what like that's what that's what we get for allowing um people that do not represent the majority of America sit in these um senates, sit in the presidency, sit as councilmen, re- representatives. We elect people that don't have our common interests. That's why it's very important to go out vote, 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 vote. Yeah, definitely. I will be voting this year, so y'all get out there and vote. Well, we I to we got to get this man up out the office. And if we don't, then um, I guess he'll give us some content for the next four years, Coco. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely have some more content for him if that's the case. Yeah, and I'm on. I'm gonna do a live show that night. Just be like, man, we done failed again. We're gonna go down as <laughs> history as the generation that elected Donald Trump. Like twice. Twice. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> How do we end up here? How did we get here? <laughs> I got faith in American people and all the listeners that you have. And we're gonna, I, like I said, I'm gonna share this so they can follow you, man. Please listen to this and reshare, um, and have make sure y'all subscribe and and rate Coco's show. And then if you do uh, subscribe to it, that means you're gonna vote to get Donald Trump out of office. <laughs> exactly. So subscribe to the Irresponsible Mentors. When I tell you their show is actually really, really funny. And I think y'all would enjoy listening to the um listening to the stuff that they talk about. Um and I definitely can't wait to see like who the other person you get on the show. Yeah, I I know it's it's rough. Like you, you obviously know. Like your show, you're you're able to um, try to uh, have different people on and stuff, and you moderate it and you do a, a great job. Um, my thing is, I try to have my show um, have different people on there, but try to have like a constant person. And mm-hmm. I think the person I have now, I think we're gonna work out. Uh, me and him, it's basically like us. We we like uh, two married old people. Uh, we just argue and debate and. We sometimes <laughs> record. Uh, we just go in there and talk. But I hope it works out. And I wish you the greatest of success. And obviously, you know, I'm going to keep listening. I am willing to come on whenever you need me as a fill-in. Just Definitely. Just, uh, and I'm waiting to get my invite to the Irresponsible Mentors. You're going to get your invite because once I get in, in touch with this uh, fool, uh, we definitely will have you on there and um, just be ready for some different dynamics because our show is a little bit more unstructured like yours but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun well i definitely can't wait to uh get on the show and kick it with y'all because y'all be talking about some funny ass shit <laughs> and um if you could just go ahead and tell everybody like how they can listen to your podcast how they can reach out to you on social media okay you can follow us um on uh instagram at irresponsible mentors uh we're on all platforms uh mainly spotify apple um google play and we are under dang you got me uh just 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 google us uh but apple (laughs) is where you can find us um i'll make sure to uh (laughs) rate and subscribe on this show and put it in there like hey you can follow us and i'm gonna put you on our page because i definitely if you like the dynamics of our show coco shows i think you were at show 18 right now uh yeah yeah Yeah. this is episode 19 19 okay so uh i definitely got like 14 more so just keep them coming and be consistent definitely oh i'm not letting up yeah so uh, i know you're new to it but like um, there's going to be some stuff and we're going to be able to help each other along the way. I'll give you advice. You give me advice. But like I said, follow us on uh, Irresponsible Mentors um, and you can hit us up at Irresponsible Mentors at gmail.com if you have any questions. And that's about it. That's what I have for you, sis. 
Okay, so I will be sure to also put their information in the show description. As always, if you guys have any questions and want to reach out, you can always hit me up on IG or at kikianwithcocopie at gmail.com. Uh, also, I don't think I mentioned this on my last episode, but I do have a website now. Mm-hmm. So go check me out, kikianwithcocopodcast.com. Um, you can get the links to, you know, listen to the show wherever you listen to your podcast at. And that is it. So as always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye. Bye.